This is Hammond. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. Please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast to support the show. You get bonus episodes and ad free episodes. And this time, Jessica is back. Hello. I feel like there has never been a better promotion for our Patreon than what has happened today. (laughs) So I just got back from Mexico. And by just got back from Mexico, I mean, Hemant picked me up at the airport, me and my husband at the airport, drove us back to my house, helped us with our bags. And then I set up the mics. And now here we are. We work fast. It is. We've never missed a week. And we, goddamn, we would never will. We will never miss. And thankfully, now we can. So next week we will miss. Oh, of course. Yeah, one of us is going to die. No, oh, no, yeah. no, no. That's how this works. <laughs> um, which also means because you are gone, you have stories that you're going to tell us during the bonus episode, and you have no idea what's been going on for the past two weeks I have, here in the real world. Yeah, I've been in Cancun um, at a resort with my husband. It is the first time we've ever taken just like. A vacation for its own sake as opposed to like going to a wedding and we build a trip around there and boy um 12 out of 10 cannot recommend Cancun <laughs> more highly I had an incredible time I had many profound and wonderful moments I met some of the strangest and wildest people I have ever met some of whom have sworn up and down they'll be listening to me. And I demanded they didn't listen to this one because it's going to be bad because uh-huh. I'm very tired. Yes. But you know what? I'm feeling good. I'm kind of riding <laughs> yeah. on energy now. I'll, I'll bring you down. I'm Give riding on my slightly sunburnt energy. <laughs> uh, I figured I would start with uh, this story because there's NBC has their streaming service, Peacock. Mm-hmm. And Peacock this week released a new show called Shadowland. It's a six-part documentary. That's a song from the Lion King musical. Is it really? Shadowland. Shadowland. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with digging into who is spreading conspiracy theories and who's affected by conspiracy theories. Very, very interesting. And they carry up my alley. Yeah. um, Hour-long episodes. Mm -hmm. Interesting series. So... I was watching my regular Greg Locke sermons, because Mm. why not? And and I'm going to play you one of Greg Locke's sermons, but um, this is what I heard. He was complaining about it. He's Mm. featured in this documentary because he is like king conspiracy. Sure. And so he was in this documentary, and he was... At the very end of like a two-hour church service, Mm -hmm. he starts complaining about the thing. Mind you, he has not seen it yet because it just came out that day. Wait, so when you said he was on it, was he interviewed for it? He was interviewed for it by the filmmakers. Okay, it's not like they just pulled random archival footage so he wouldn't know. Okay, Let's put it this way. We've talked about him before many times. But the show would introduce you to him if you have never heard of this guy before. Explain that he's not just a preacher. Mm. He's a preacher who promotes conspiracy theories, like wildish conspiracy theories. Mm -hmm. And he readily admits, like he doesn't say I'm promoting conspiracy theories. Uh He admits like, yeah, the election was stolen. Yeah, COVID was a hoax, whatever. But this is the part that caught my attention. Uh, Let's see if this plays right here. You know, when you go home tonight, anybody got Peacock? Net, it's like Netflix, you know, pay, pay to play subscription. Our show drops today. Six part series called Shadowland. We're in the first of the six, but our church is predominantly in the second and third episode. Hmm. They end with like a six minute clip of me. I, I, 
Wayne shared it with me. We go, we go lay in bed with some, uh, with some ice cream and watch it tonight. Amen. Amen. But you know what they did? It's interesting. And it's I expect this from lost people. They did everything against us that they promised they wouldn't do. Made us look like idiots. You know, made us look like insurrectionists, QAnon, conspiracy theorists, whatever. Mm-hmm. Turned mics on backstage. Try to get me on a hot mic. You know, try to do anything they can. They ain't got nothing on us. Okay. One of our uh, ex-staff members sold him footage from January 6th. of me with a bullhorn. <laughs> standing on a trailer preaching at the Capitol. Which is Paul said, I repent not. Somebody's got to stand up and say this wicked nation. A little more here. Oh, yeah. But it's interesting how they spin a narrative. Mm, so interesting. I'm really interested in like chapter two and chapter three, the, the different episodes, you know, where this is going. I mean, they followed me around for like two months, right? Hmm. I'm interested. They went to restaurants with us. I mean, they went everywhere. They did like everything but watch me blow my nose and probably got that on a mic somewhere, right? <laughs> but it's interesting how they take a narrative and they spin it wildly out of control. Uh-oh. And you know what? Hmm. I'll watch it tonight and laugh. But you know what I don't laugh at? When these preachers do it. Because they're just as guilty as the rest of them. What? Fake news. Okay. What? Wait, I what? know, I know. So let me break down what you just heard there. He knows he's in this series because he participated for two months in this documentary. Mm -hmm. He says the church that he runs, Global Vision in Tennessee, is featured in episodes two and three of the six-part series, which is accurate. And he says they were trying to, like, come after him. They were, like, they told him one thing. They're trying to catch him. They're trying to catch him. They were trying to, like, get the hot mic Mm -hmm. footage, whatever. So I watched episodes two and three. Gotcha journalism. That's what Sarah Palin called it. (laughs) Yeah. So I watched episodes two and three. I'm like, so what did they say about this guy? And is any of it unfair to him? Uh Because I've unhealthily followed this man for way too long. You're obsessed with him. Totally. Um, And so I watched it. And honestly, between the clips they showed of his church, of his preaching, Mm -hmm. I'm like, yep, those are accurate sermons. Those are sermon clips. It's not like they weirdly edited the stuff together to make him say something stupid. No, no, no. That was him saying something stupid. Right. Um, When they showed... Like, then they showed interviews that clearly the filmmakers were back in his office at some point asking him questions like, how did you become a preacher? How did you get into this? He tells his story. I had like this rough childhood. I was not a a well-behaved kid, but Mm -hmm. then I found God and then I became this. Mm -hmm. Um, Whatever. I don't care. But it's, but they're talking to him personally. So Mm -hmm. he knows he's on camera and they ask him things like, you know, do you believe uh, the election was stolen? Oh yeah, they, they stole it. Like, who's they? Yeah. And he literally pulls out, like, well, Bill Gates, George Soros. Like, Soros. He's sure, saying, Soros. he's volunteering this information, not on a hot mic. Like, literally, the camera's in your face and you're you being talking. interviewed. You, you're just hearing your own words said back to you. What are yeah. you mad about? There's nothing. So Unless I watched, do they do, like, weird sound effects whenever he walks. Like, every time <laughs> he sits down, they, like, fart. <laughs> nothing. Then, honestly, that would be pretty funny, but... Unethical. Nothing of the sort. So I watched all of it, and I'm like, if you only watched this uh-huh. this show uh-huh. and knew nothing else about Greg Glock, you would come away with a pretty solid idea of what this guy does every single church service. Because 
the point of the do- the point of the series is not to say he's a preacher who sometimes talks about deliverance and curing sure. exorcis- uh, exercising the demons. Mm-hmm. No, they're focusing on the COVID stuff. And he's like, oh, they just focused on the conspiracy QAnon stuff. It's like, yeah, that's because you promote that stuff. But also, it's because you say that. Yeah, you also do preach. Like the boring parts of your sermon are the parts where you quote the Bible. Yeah, but you're famous. In infamous, yeah, because you say all the conspiracy stuff, right. and they show the conspiracy stuff, yeah. So that's part of it. Another part of it is they actually showed how other people, like uh, local news teams, would react to some of the stuff he did. Like one time, he had a sign outside his circus tent of a church that said, "If you're wearing a mask, you cannot come inside." Ha ha! Take that pandemic. And so local news... So brave. uh Local news stations covered how this church in Tennessee wouldn't allow people to wear masks. So they showed some of the the coverage, Mm -hmm. but they also showed people talking about him. So do you know how weird it is to watch a documentary on this show and then see my own damn face... What? ...appear talking about how crazy Greg Locke is? What? (laughs) Funniest thing about that, they showed a clip from (laughs) one of... Yeah, to me. they showed a clip from one of my videos talking about Greg Locke being insane. And you know what the caption was? They didn't say my name on there or anything, but what? the caption like... Was it like, quote, friendly, like, a- friendly and scare quotes, atheist? Oh, wait for it. Wait, oh, yeah? no, no, no. It said, friendly atheist podcast. So... Hey! <laughs> and I'm oh like, technically, this is my YouTube channel. I had nothing to do with the podcast, but I'll take it. Oh Free publicity. God! Congrats on your Peacock debut, is um, what I'm saying. I'm turning down my mic because this is a big deal. Episode two, 20 minutes-ish in. Hemet. You made it. Hemet, oh my God, this could be huge. It's not. It's gonna be. No one's People gonna, are gonna seek it out. No one will seek I it out I guarantee it. Mm. And you know what? All my new friends in Cancun, they're gonna be watching that show, and they're gonna be like, the Friendly Indies podcast. I think I met that woman. <laughs> was she the one who was scream yelling at everyone? Her um, <laughs> last screaming at everyone? Anyway. Uh, so I'm, my whole mind is blown. That's okay. So that happened. I will show you that later. I would show you the clip, but the clip is me talking. You've heard enough of me talking. Oh boy. Um, but again, like he acts in that clip I played for you. <laughs> it's a video and they're like, this is what a podcast yeah, is. I know. We understand media. <laughs> the funny, the weird <laughs> thing about it is like, he's acting like they did something unfair to him when they clearly did not do anything unfair. They are talking to him there. They had a camera in his office when Roger Stone, the Republican operative who worked for Donald Trump, uh-huh. he once gave a speech at Locke's church they were in the room behind the scenes when those guys are all just chatting beforehand. Mm-hmm. They didn't say anything that I wouldn't have expected, sure. but the cameras are in the room. And then to say, like, I can't believe they call me a conspiracy theorist. It's like, buddy, you look, you're talking to Roger Stone on camera. You know the cameras are on. Yeah, yeah, so. And you have to, like... He must have had context for why they're creating of this, course. this documentary. They didn't say we're making a Jesus documentary. No. no it's, they, we want to know because why people believe Because that's the kind of thing conservatives stuff. do. <laughs> yeah. So besides that, like, he must have known what it was about. He agreed he to appear on camera because he likes attention. He genuinely believes all attention is good attention. Oh, yeah, yeah. And if you're being criticized, at least they're talking about you, mm-hmm. which is a thing Roger Stone literally says oh, yeah. on camera. Oh, yeah. Um, he also knows that... If he just tells his people, well, we appear in this thing, Mm -hmm. that's not a selling point. you got to pretend to be persecuted at all times. So, of course, in his mind, the people at Peacock, they were trying to screw me over, Mm. even though 
they did no such thing. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna call it right now. I think this man is eyes open. I think he absolutely <laughs> knows. He knew what it was going to be like, and he chose to participate so he could then turn around and have a bigger platform on, on mm-hmm. Peacock than tell his people yeah. how... So now his name is more famous and his people are more galvanized because the, the whole the world's is, against us now. No one in his church is actually going to watch the series. No. So he can get away with saying that to this particular crowd. If you can just yell Boogeyman. Right. Yeah, it's absolutely... I mean, it's it's genius. Like, it is absolutely like the way a psychopath would cut... Would, <laughs> try to cling to power and relevance and gain more. I would have loved to see the hot mic moment where they catch him behind the scenes saying, God, I can't believe they fell for it again. It's not there. I'm sorry. I don't know what. I don't know what he thinks that they got that makes him look bad. Other. That's like blaming a mirror for what your face looks like. (laughs) He thinks that he is the ending of the jinx, but he is not the ending of the jinx. That's if you've exactly seen the jinx, right. you know what I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah. And if again, you've seen I'm the listening. Jinx, real good. <laughs> I was listening for that moment where he makes some revelation that he shouldn't have. It mm. didn't come because they just captured what he openly says all the time. Yeah. Uh, but just amusing to actually see that I'm on curious, camera. Can I ask what the format, just to satiate my curiosity, he's in two and three. So, so it's not a different subject per. Like episode two happened to cover two different conspiracy theories. One uh-huh. is here's Greg Locke preaching a bunch of right-wing bullshit. Uh-huh. And here's another guy promoting a different type of misinformation. And the, their stories are just kind of interspliced with each other. I see. Episode three goes into a different conspiracy theory, but because Locke uh, is like the segue leading sure, sure, to sure. it. Okay, I understand. But it was, it seemed like a well done. Oh, and I'm as really far as I could tell, I, I just watched those two episodes. It seemed like, yeah, that's what I would expect cool. from a regular documentary. There's a book I really want to read called Cultish. That kind of is in the same thing, but it's about how we use language and how like cults use language to manipulate people and how he, how you can see examples of it in the outside world. Anyway, thought it was interesting. I'm going to move to this story, which is, I, I cannot tell you how frustrating this one was to okay. read. Do you remember there was one of the Supreme Court cases that took place Last term was uh, Kennedy versus Bremerton. Uh, this is the case about the high school football coach who wanted to pray at midfield after football games. He said, I just wanted to do a quiet oh prayer. Oh, my God. I thought I a- got to leave this yep. guy behind. Oh, oh, just you wait. I have not thought about him in eight days. This guy is the title of this podcast. So we're talking about this guy for okay. a bit. Um, but basically, his thing was, I'm doing a quiet prayer after games. How dare you punish me? for wanting to do these prayers after the games. And the mm-hmm. Supreme Court said, hey, public school district, you can't punish him for doing quiet prayers after games. How dare you? Mm-hmm. Um, except they weren't quiet. He had like a horde of people surrounding him. Mm-hmm. He had students, athletes surrounding him, which added this coercion element to it. Uh-huh. He advertised these prayers beforehand. They were distracting. They, mm-hmm. It made these post-game things all about him. Like there was no, this wasn't people persecuting him for being Christian. It was this Christian who wanted to showboat and pretend to be a martyr for the faith. Exactly. Okay. So that's what happened. The Supreme Court ruled in his favor. And I want to point out one thing before I get to the next part of this, which is when this case was being heard by the Supreme Court, everyone who has a stake in the fight Mm -hmm. can can file an amicus brief with the Supreme Court saying, hey, here's my argument for why you should decide this one way or the other. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and there was one particular amicus brief filed by four atheist groups, Freedom mm. from Religion Foundation, Center for Inquiry, American Humanist Association, Secular Coalition for America. Mm-hmm. All four of them filed this joint brief making a couple of arguments. But one of them, they said, is that you shouldn't be hearing this case. This case is moot. And what they were basically saying, I mean, this is going beyond the, he said he was fired from his job. No, he wasn't. Mm -hmm. The school said, uh, we need to investigate this. And then they said, okay, we're, he didn't even apply for his job the next year. And they said, okay, well, if you're not going to apply, we're not going to bring you back. And so he quit, but he kept telling everyone he got fired. That was one thing. Um, but anyway, and the conservative <clears throat> judges just ate it the fuck completely. up completely. Sonia Sotomayor, in her dissent, had pictures saying this is not a quiet prayer. Outstanding yeah. work from Sotomayor. So, one of the things, the reason you would file a case like this is to say, I need the Supreme Court to step in to undo what has been done because it's the only way I can get my job back. Mm. That's the whole point. You don't file a case with the Supreme Court unless someone benefits from their intervention. Hmm. That's important. And so the atheists, when they filed their amicus brief, they said, you can't take this case up because even if you rule in his favor... On its face. There's nothing, there's no benefit he's going to get from this because It's in based theory, on a lie. Well, it's based on a lie, yes. But they said even if you grant all the lies mm-hmm. that he is telling you, mm-hmm. a win for him means he gets his job back. But he and doesn't want his job back. And they said he doesn't want his job back. And we know he doesn't want his job back. I'm going to quote you from the amicus brief. In 2020, Kennedy, Joe Kennedy, moved... 2,800 miles from Bremerton, Washington to Pensacola, Florida. He sold his home in Washington. He purchased a home in Florida and established residency there. He and his wife are no longer employed in Washington. There can hardly be a realistic prospect that the assistant football coach position at Bremerton High School is the type of position that one picks up and moves across the country to accept. It is a year-round commitment that pays just $5,304. On these key facts alone, Kennedy cannot maintain an action for prospective relief against a school district in Washington. Basically saying... Even if you tell him he can have his job back, mm-hmm. he's not moving back for a $5,000 a year mm-hmm. job. So, like, what is it that you are going to do for him? Mm-hmm. And if the answer is nothing, you shouldn't be hearing this case. That was a strong argument. I just got chills. <laughs> that was the atheist argument saying, like, look, we know this isn't going to end well. Right. We're, at, we're not asking you to we say. We just want to make sure we all know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. And the atheists are saying, like, look, we know you're not going to rule in our favor right, here. Right, right, right. But just toss out this case. You you could do that. You could save face. And like, we can all pretend this never happened. And it wouldn't be inappropriate. And it would not be inappropriate. And it wouldn't so. be anti- Oh, it would be anti- <laughs> Oh, fuck. So the Supreme Court obviously- I'm going back to Mexico. I have to leave. <laughs> Supreme Court did not follow that argument. They said, we are going to hear this case. And Joe Kennedy does win the case. So in theory, what does that actually mean? That means that when he wins the case- he actually gets his job back and he gets to pray at midfield after games and they can't really do anything about that anymore, right? That's kind of the, the yeah. theory here. So Does that, that mean he us, can just get a new job in Florida and do the same thing? And, um, not necessarily. And now it's federally depends. protected speech? In theory, yes, but he hasn't done that either. But this is from the Seattle Times, a columnist named Danny Westneat. He basically said... The school, I mean, he basically followed up with Bremerton. Like, so what have you all done since losing this case? 
And he said that even though the school has done its job Mm -hmm. by offering a job Mm -hmm. to Joseph Kennedy again, Kennedy is nowhere to be found. He is too busy. He didn't busy. even respond. Doesn't even respond. Oh, let he's cost Labor Day now, right? <laughs> let, me, let me quote you from this because, man, this is a good article. Mm. It's infuriating, but What's it's it a good article. From the Seattle Times, uh, Danny Westneat. Danny Westneat. He's had the paperwork for his reinstatement since August 8th, <laughs> and we haven't gotten so much as a phone call, says Karen Bever, spokesperson for Bremerton Schools. Instead, as the Bremerton Knights were prepping for the season in August... They just didn't have an assistant coach. (laughs) They had a different one. Kennedy was up in Alaska meeting with former Vice President Mike Pence and Evangelist Franklin Graham. Fuck was Pence Uh, in Alaska? Visiting Uh, Palin? Probably probably, uh, rooting for their campaigns Mm. at the time. On the eve of the first game, which the Knights won, Kennedy was in Milwaukee being presented with an engraved twenty-two caliber rifle at an American Legion convention. Christ, are you kidding me? <laughs> it is an a incre- commemorative gun because he prayed so good. Uh-huh. It is an increasingly surreal situation for the Bremerton schools. They were ordered to quote reinstate Coach Kennedy to a football coaching position, according to court documents. But the now famous coach is out on the conservative celebrity circuit, continuing to tell a story about the prayer that got me fired. Even though Bremerton never actually Absolutely fired did him, did not fire him. Well, listen. The atheists were right. Of course we're right. We're right about everything. They were right that even if the Supreme Court said he would win, he had no intention of taking that job back because this was never about coaching. This was never about the kids. No. This was always about his Christian ego and his ability to play a martyr for the faith. Mm -hmm. Um, By the way. Uh, this is the end of the column, I think, in the Seattle Times. The effect of the court's order is that Bremerton has to reinstate someone who didn't apply for the job then and doesn't appear eager for it now. It's as if the justices wanted to script an ending for a Christian redemption movie, but real life is not cooperating. What's this person's name? Danny what? West Neat. Dan- Oh my goodness, I'm going to read every <laughs> word of that. What a great writer. I mean, listen, I am a, I don't want to talk about it on the show, but I am a high school coach. Yeah. We don't get paid very much. No. Why, do, why do any of the coaches do any of this stuff? Mm-hmm. Ask them all. It's not for I the mean, money. You do it because you love the kids. You do it because you find the activity valuable. And you do it because what you get back mm-hmm. is not a financial thing. Okay. You do it for other reasons. Can we just take a look at the situation that's happening right here? Hammond is a coach for kids that he takes on, even though he does friendly atheist full time, he still coaches for his, for his speech kids and is very good. Talks to me about it more than I think <laughs> I need to hear anyway. And I work part time with disabled kids and teaching horseback riding lessons, for which I get paid $12 an hour, and they wanted me on full-time, and I said, I cannot afford to work for you full-time with my current situation. So now I have a full-time job, a part-time job, so I can be with my kids and do the things I love to do, and a podcast that I have to do when I get home from Mexico and I'm very tired. Like, It's just so fucking wild that, like, they act like they're these, like, superior Christian people for all of these things 
Meanwhile, the two atheists are the one interacting with children every day (laughs) and trying to enhance their lives and make the world a better place, even though we can't afford to only do that job. I have a video going up about this next week, I think. About better than everybody? Uh, uh, That too. (laughs) Um, But it's about this guy. And part of the things in the video, going through a rough cut of it, is there are all these video clips of Kennedy post-victory Telling news anchors like, yeah, I can't wait to get back on the sidelines. I can't wait to get my job back. Really? Like, you said this after you won the case, implying that you're going to get right back out there. And like, buddy, it's been months. You haven't even called the school back. One thing that... You want to move back to Oregon, dude? Or Washington (laughs) Washington. One thing that also bothered me, we talked about this uh, months ago, is that even the mainstream media tended to agree with the premise of his argument, which mm-hmm. was never true. So, for example, the New York Times' Adam Liptak did a whole episode about Kennedy mm-hmm. for the Daily podcast. Oh, uh-huh. And one of the things he said is that he went to go out and visit Joe Kennedy in Bremerton, Washington. He never told the listeners that Kennedy doesn't live there. Kennedy flew in from Florida to be interviewed for this thing. Like, they just believe his lie that he lives there, he got fired, and Can't none wait to of get back into true. it. Misses his kids, loves causing long-term brain damage yeah, for young yeah. people through <laughs> the sport of football. Boy, just I'm going to be wild. more unbearable than ever. <laughs> <laughs> so frustrating. I, again, I, I think, I, I hope I talked about it, but I might have only mentioned the bo- on the um, bonus episode, but if anybody wants to hear an outstanding recap of basically that whole week of Supreme Supreme Court decisions. So Roe v. Wade, this one, was there a third one or just the two? Oh, God. I'm clear. It's a blur. I was in a few state. Um, But it's what what Roman Mars can learn about con law. Mm. Roman Mars is the host of 99% Invisible. It's a constitutional lawyer who basically does a an immaculate job of walking you through all the facts of the case. I can it's maybe a half hour long if that and it's outstanding if you want like somebody who knows what the fuck they're talking about <laughs> to explain to you what's going on. Excellent. All right, I'm moving on to a different one because Joe Kennedy just pisses me off. And I always forget what his name is. So I walked in and I saw yeah. you had Joe Kennedy written down. I was like, is that one of the Kennedy brothers? Yeah. Is there a Kennedy brother I missed? <laughs> It's the least of the Kennedys. Yeah, exactly. The lesser um, Kennedy. The lesser Kennedy. Kennedy the lesser. So, Can that be the uh, episode title instead? No, I already made the card. Um, okay, so there is an <laughs> Oklahoma senator, one of the U.S. senators from Oklahoma, James Langford. Okay. And he, this past week, he, uh, or maybe at the end of last week, he was at a summit called the Pray, Vote, Stand Summit. Hosted by Family Research Council. It doesn't stand? matter. It's what a, does stand mean? I don't know. Stand for Jesus, probably. Oh. But Christian Maybe hate. they mean stand, like be a huge fan of Jesus? No. Like we stand nope. for Jesus? They stand up for Jesus cool. and then kneel and pray. I don't know how they do it. Mm-hmm. It's hosted by Family Research Council, which is a Christian hate group. And so at one point, Tony Perkins, who runs the Family Research Council, is interviewing this U.S. senator on stage, James Langford. Mm-hmm. And at one point, uh, they're talking about how awesome it is that abortion is getting banned everywhere. Oh, yeah. And in Oklahoma, James Langford says, like, we really banned abortion in our state. So I want to play a short clip. Mm-hmm. It's about a minute long. And it's Tony Perkins talking first. And then it's uh, James Langford. Okay. And uh, we'll I, talk about I'm it afterwards. I'm just turning my mic down in anticipation of screaming. Okay. Oh, okay. I believe that as these states embrace biblical truth as it pertains to life, that 
I believe God's going to bless those nations, those, so. those states. As those states come in alignment with God, I believe it's going to be a testimony to the rest of the nation. Again, another sign of God's mercy that he will pour out his blessing on those that choose to walk in his way. Yeah, I agree. This I agree. is Langford. That's, that's, not, that's not some radical principle just for people to be faithful. A senator. God bless them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just the most basic principle of all. Uh, as, as funny as it sounds, we've experienced a big drought in Oklahoma. The week after, the week after we, we passed this law to be able to protect the lives of children, we had the most overwhelming rainstorm that came across the state. And it was such an interesting conversation among people in the church like, did that just happen? Did, did that just occur? Let me tell you what you just heard there. I need to get my phone so I can do some weather-based research. Oh, sure. No, I already did it for you. You're fine. You're fine. So just to give you some background, uh, in mid-May, Oklahoma's Republican-dominated legislature, they passed a bill that basically banned the procedure throughout the state, banned abortions from fertilization onward, except... There's like except for they don't know how yeah. reproductive right uh, reproduction works, so they just don't know what they're doing. Yeah, it, they had exceptions to save the life of the mother, or in cases of rape and incest, if they were reported to the authorities, which has its own issues. But whatever, uh, the governor of Oklahoma signed it into law at the end of May. A couple of weeks after that law was passed, um, which, by the way, they were ready to go with, like when Roe v. Wade is overturned. Mm-hmm. A couple of weeks after that. There was rain across Oklahoma after this long drought. Mm -hmm. But, like, here's what you didn't hear in that clip. It wasn't like, oh, there was drought. Oh, thank goodness. We have rain. It's Mm -hmm. wonderful. No, it was overwhelming rainstorm. No. Like Like flooding? He said overwhelming rainstorm in the, the clip we just heard. No, it was like a flood. Uh, major cities were destroyed. The farmers complained that all their crops and their money was destroyed. No. There are video clips of the flooding everywhere. So that's one thing. Um, and also, Oklahoma is still in a drought now. Like, the idea that this guy said, well, we banned abortion, and then it rained. Isn't that God's way of saying, you guys are great? Like, buddy, it rained for like a minute, and it was in a, a bad flood, and people were, I'm assuming, injured, maybe worse, and you're I'm acting, sure if somebody died, we would have heard, probably, right? Yeah. But, like, whatever happened, the drought's still there. God hasn't fixed that. The weather in Oklahoma is not great. Which... And if, if you're wondering, is James Langford a climate denier? He is. You don't say. So is Jim Inhofe, who's the Obviously. other senator from Oklahoma, who is fam- the guy who brought the snowball to the floor Oh, that the guy! That's Oklahoma senators. Got you. Um, here's the funny thing, is that if you know anything about how land and soil work, how like any of this, if you know anything how about how this works, then you know that if you're in a drought situation and all of a sudden you get a deluge of rain in one moment, it's bad news Yeah, because it can't soak into the ground because it's all dried up. And so it's going to move more. It's not going to soak down quickly. And so like, yeah, cool. They got rains. But like you said, their fields were going to flood because it can't permeate the ground. And And like, I don't know 
know shit about shit. So why do I know this and a senator doesn't? Well, he doesn't know a lot of things. It also doesn't make sense that if you signed an anti-abortion bill, why did God wait like two weeks to deliver the rain? Who knew there was a lag time on answered prayers? And, and why, why didn't he do it after Roe v. Wade? Yeah, right. That too. And why is there a drought in Oklahoma if God is congratulating you with the weather. Like, none of that makes sense. No. Tony Perkins wasn't going to ask about it. Tony Perkins, I mean, by the way, signal- has oh, said Tony God Perkins. sends floods due to, like, he's because God is angry about homosexuality. And then one day, Tony Perkins' house was destroyed in a flood. And it was hilarious because no one actually got hurt. Is Tony but- Perkins the motivational speaker? No, that's Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins. Close. Okay. Close. Yeah, There's nothing it. motivational about Tony Perkins. <laughs> All right. Let, do you want some happy news? Um, yes. All right. Just to change gears for a second. Um, guess what movie is coming out next year? God's Not Dead 5. Did you know that? I did. Five. I sure fucking did. Five. Somehow that permeated through. I said permeated twice in this episode. I will Somehow give that you, got through all of my filters. I will give you a dollar if you could tell me the subtitle to God's Not Dead 4. The thing? Oh, God's Not Dead 4? Okay, wait, I bet I could do it. Or three. I know one of them... Oh, actually, maybe I don't. (laughs) I felt really confident for no specific reason, Mm -hmm. which is sort of how I live my life. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, what's the subtitle? Uh, Three was A Light in Darkness. A Light in Darkness. Did Uh, two have a subtitle? No. It was just God's Not Dead 2? It was just God's Not Dead 2, the one with Clarissa. Four, I feel like I I should know. We, it's like God's army or something. We the people. We the people. And now. I got the military thing. <laughs> and God's Not Dead 5 is going to be God's Not Dead Rise Up. Rise Up. Even because every Christian now steals from Hamilton. Truly. It's so <laughs> fucking funny how many people now say rise up and let's go as like, let's go. Like, buddy, I know you got that. It's okay. It's fun. But <laughs> cite your sources. So there's one press release put out by Pure Flix or the other company that's now producing this movie and here's all they tell you here's all here's what they tell you about god's not dead rise up rise up so what is it about when a favored incumbent suddenly suspends his candidacy for congress an embittered but brilliant campaign strategist is lured out of retirement and convinces reverend dave hill to run for office (laughs) the race Hits both against formidable opponents from their past, each with plans to inexorably remove religion's influence on public policy, set against a backdrop of unprecedented political, civil, and spiritual unrest, Dave struggles to answer an increasingly relevant question of our time. Is God dead in American politics? No. No? No. I mean, I know the answer. Uh Uh-huh. Who, is that a spoiler alert if I say no? Does anyone think God is dead in American politics? Guess what percentage of Republicans in Congress are religious? Are religious? Yeah. 100%. 99. I think one of I them I genuinely thought it was a rounding question. error. Yeah. Um, 88% of Congress as a whole is religious. Mm-hmm. The Supreme Court, you may have heard, very religious. Oh, that one's a hundo, yeah. Um, but yeah, apparently, I don't know, I guess God is not allowed anywhere in politics anymore. And so they're going to make an entire movie about it. So I need to give you and the listeners a little bit of context of like where my headspace is right now. So I uh, downloaded for my trip... Uh, three romance novels based in Cancun, Mexico. And I was in for it. 
and instead I read <laughs> Mind Hunter by John Douglas, which is about criminal profiling. Mm-hmm. And now I am in the middle. I finished that and was so fucking stoked about learning about this shit. If this ends with you're going to binge watch every one of these movies. No, 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 no. Quite the opposite. I am. I reread. No- so John Douglas is like the original criminal profiler. Mm-hmm. Um, it's who, you know what I mean? Um and so all he does is like psychological breakdowns of why people. And so the one I'm listening to right, uh, reading right now is called An Anatomy of a Motive. Mm-hmm. And it's just trying to get to the center of the why somebody would commit a crime the way they do and how that helps kind of inform what and he does. And this has to do with God's Not Dead because. Because what I am learning by reading all of this shit by him is. You're going to commit murder. Always a grab for power and control. Mm. Those are the things that everybody is always fucking gunning for is power and control. So if you are a, say, cult leader, hypothetically, and say, um, you know, you're the only special ones, you're the only special ones, and everybody out there is trying to get you. They're the bad guys, they're Mm -hmm. the villains, and we're the truth, we're the light. Those people who... Let those Greg Locks of the world who let you build onto your own bullshit and pretend the whole world is out to get you are doing it so they can get power and control people's individual lives. That's why people do things like this. They get off on the control of people. And so now, like every time I hear a story like this, it's like, okay, what was he, what was his motive? What are they trying to get at? Power or control? And, and from my, Okay, comprehension. That sounds like the motive for all Christian media. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying is if you are if you have a motive that is not uh, good, right? Like that you actually genuinely want to help somebody. If your motive is self-serving, that's always what it's going to come back to. I what I don't get is okay. Let's say I give you all of that premise because I I agree with you there. Mm-hmm. You would think okay, well at least they're doing this because it's a cheap money grab or something. But I don't even think it's that. Just to give you some numbers here, okay. The first God's Not Dead mm-hmm. came out in 2014. Honestly, phenomenon. Oh yeah, um, 64 million dollars. It, it made 2014. Mm-hmm. You said? 2014 made 64 million dollars. Not shabby at all. No. The second one, the, the do you know one, the budget? Uh, it wasn't 64 million. No, I'll tell no, you no, that. No, I was just curious if they got um, it under a mill. I, it, it would have been something pretty. I would guess I low would millions like, at most. Yeah, I would, five um, millions is what I would guess. The sequel, the one with Clarissa, Melissa Joan Hart, made 24 million dollars. Yeah, that one made $24 million. Again, you more than covered your costs. I get it. Here's where it gets weird. God's Not Dead, A Light in Darkness, third film in the series, the one where David A.R. White, who basically runs the film company, Pure Flakes, Uh and decided, you know who should be the star of this next movie? Me. Oh, my God. Kevin Um, Sorbo is in the first movie. uh Uh-huh. God's Not Dead, A Light in Darkness made $7.4 million. At this point, you're like, you're probably making money, but that number has gone down. Yeah, and especially if usually the budget gets higher as you keep going. This does not seem like this is going to be... This is more of like a horror movie franchise. God's Not Dead 3, by the way, featured John Corbett from Sex and the City and My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Oh, my God. God, yes. I forgot about that too. And also start a cameo. It had a, it had a cameo from Judge Jeanine Pirro. So uh, oh, 7.4 million would okay. have covered the wine budget, I would think. Okay, so IMDb so, does not have the original budget listed, but they estimated it at 2 million. Yeah, okay. So God's Not Dead, We the People, the fourth mm-hmm. movie, this is where it gets weird because it's only released in some theaters for like a limited screening, limited release, but basically it made about 1.1 million. 
That's nothing. Now that's a loss. That's got to be You're a loss. You're working on a loss at now. that point. So it's like, but the only thing they did with it really is to say, you know what? We here at Pure Flix are going to give you an alternative to Netflix. So we'll put this behind our paywall and like sign up for our subscription service, mm-hmm. which I understand the strategy there. I have no idea. If I it think it's unethical in. for people to put content behind a paywall. That's what I think. <laughs> Stay tuned. You can learn more in the bonus episode. Five dollars a month. Yeah. So. They did that. So I'm like, I don't know. I have no idea. They don't have to reveal it. I don't know how many people are paying for Pure Flix mm-hmm. to go see God's Not Dead 4. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they made $1.1 million from the fourth movie, what the hell's going on with the fifth movie? As far as I can tell, they're yeah. only going to release it behind the paywall, which also makes it... You can't even go to church and say, hey, kids, let's go out and watch this as a group outing at the theater the weekend it opens because it's only in theaters for one weekend. Uh-huh. You could do that if it's there for one week, uh-huh. but it's not the same to say, hey, kids, let's push play on Pure Flix sure. as a group. Uh, not quite the same thing. Well, okay, so if they shifted from a theater model to a subscription model, that does kind of change the financial stakes of it. it because does. at that point, you're gonna, just trying to bring in subscribers. You're not paying for marketing. Exactly. But again, God's Not Dead 4 did not have a marketing campaign. you're not paying for campaign. marketing. Oh, okay. No marketing I mean, campaign? I mean, I saw a trailer, and that was it. Hmm. And, like, I don't remember seeing anything else. Maybe they advertise on Christian places, but... Um, I just saying, like, look, no one needs a fifth God's Not Dead film because no one needed a second God's Not Dead film. Of course. Here's what I think is going on. I mean, seriously, fight me on this. Where I Cannot think work. Pure Flix just has this stack of f- scripts that they're like, which of these can we slap a God's Not Dead branding on? Mm-hmm. Because they're all about Christian persecution. Mm-hmm. But like, you could make the movie and just say, look, it's the political movie. Mm-hmm. But if you say it's God Not Dead, God's Not Dead, the political movie, that might get a little more attention. Um, so that's why they're doing it. It's just different types of Christian propaganda. They're not yep. even arguing about God anymore. They're talking about Christian persecution, which kind of is the trajectory of evangelical Christianity anyway. Yeah. Eh. Um, so as somebody, I, just I, I, I think say, I can speak with some authority on this, actually. Mm. You'll be surprised to hear. Um, not just pulling shit out of my ass. As a person who used to work for a um, content farm, basically, um, So if you, in short, essentially, SEO is basically when I Google atheism podcast, we want friendly atheist podcast to be top because that's how we get our millions and millions of dollars, trillions of dollars. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, back in the day and it's less so now it's a little more sophisticated back in the day. Basically the way you uh, increase your SEO value is just by having a shit ton of content. Because mm-hmm. it's just widens the gap, or it widens the likelihood that somebody Googles any key phrase and gets your shit. So that's what I used to do for a living. I wrote 4,000 words a day, edited 2,000 more on top of everything else I did. Hammond can tell you how much 4,000 day, words a day, mm. five days a week, forever. It's, it's a lot of coffee. Unsustainable. Absolutely unsustainable. That's why I left, obviously. Anyway, anyway. All that's to say is I think these guys are doing the same thing. I think they have their SEO with the God's Not Dead thing because it's catchy. It's A, catchy, and B, has a legacy that it's working off of. So it's tying to something bigger than itself. So as soon as you slap the God's Not Dead logo on it, it goes from this movie that, you know, a hundred people will see 
to, oh, we're going to subscribe to like watch this. Let's just go see if we should watch like people like you and me who want to watch it as a, you know, as a bit. Yeah. Or people who are like, are just curious and they end up signing for Pure Flix. That's exactly what it is. They're now just making content for God awful movies. Yes. And that's it. I know. That's what Pure Flix is for. It's a symbiotic relationship that they'll have (laughs) forever. Yeah. I mean, I've said this before, but they they should just make a God's Not Dead movie where, like, David A.R. White just beats a dead horse for two hours, because that would be on point and probably draw just as much attention. Can I uh, uh, punch up your joke? Please. I think it should be an 84-minute movie about a guy beating a dead horse, because those movies are always, like... We have to get to feature length. We're almost <laughs> there. We just need a longer reaction shot from this person. Otherwise, we're going to be in at 67 minutes, and that's not feature length. That's why they have all those songs and the montages and I've everything. I've been recently listening to a lot of Blank Check podcasts, which is why I'm talking <laughs> with a lot of confidence about movie budgets and marketing and shit. It's a good podcast. Check I like it out. It. Um, it's... I have to just thank them because I think they're doing more for atheism than anyone else is right now. Oh, they're pumping up our brand. Yeah. Like, truly, I would be surprised if at some point somebody didn't accuse them of being in, like, big atheist pocket. I'm... Keep, like, tempting us. I'm waiting for the next God's Not Dead movie to be about, like, the atheist podcaster. Yeah, us personally. And, like, there's a podcast and then there's a debate. I want somebody to make a terrible movie based loosely on how loud and angry I am. I've never wanted anything more. It's what my ego needs to be fed. I refuse to watch. I'm so tired. I don't know what I'm (laughs) saying. Is this anything? Um, No, I'm not not releasing this. (laughs) All right, here's. Oh, also, I want to say my husband is driving to Niles and back to get our dog. So. At some point, whether it's during recording or not, my dog is going to explode into Which this room. Which is why room. we are quickly rushing We're, we're to trying to get through this. this. And I'm helping. Yes, there you go. Okay. I always move things along more quickly. <laughs> so we talked about... I always about- really like to make sure that the thing moves along <laughs> at a nice clip. Thank you for that. And I think that's what people like. <laughs> okay, go. I'm done. I'm done this with the bit. This is why everyone listens at 1.8 speed. So... <laughs> At that Pray, Vote, Stand Summit where Langford was at, there was another time, one of the other speakers at that conference was Dr. Albert Moeller, who is the president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, one of the leaders in Southern Baptist, uh, uh, of the Southern Baptist Convention. Okay. And I want to play you a clip of what he said uh, to this crowd. Then we will talk about it, because, like... There's a backstory that makes this clip even worse. Okay. So I'll play. It's not like Firebrand anything, but Mm. just listen carefully. It's in the show for an audio clip. This must be a good one. I know. It's about 45 seconds. Here you go. Every single election matters. Matters. Every election matters, he said. is followed by the next one. That's how linear time works. faithfulness now is absolutely necessary. And frankly, just given the temporality of life, we've got to give primary attention to faithfulness right now. 2022 in the United States means votes matter. His grammar is really bad and spothering me. To make certain that Christians understand the stewardship of the vote, which means the discipleship of the vote, which means the urgency of the vote, the treasure of the vote. And they need to understand that insofar as they do not vote or they vote wrongly, they are unfaithful. Because the vote is a powerful stewardship. 
Let me repeat that last part. Christians mm-hmm. need to understand that if they don't vote or if they vote wrongly, they are unfaithful. There is something, and we know wow. the context there is if you don't vote for a Republican, you are a bad Christian. So, like, here's, let's talk about what are the requirements. I think if you vote Republican, you're a bad human, so that we're too. not that far apart. What are the requirements to being a Christian? At one point, I'm pretty sure it was accepting the divinity of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And now, according to the head of a seminary, it's that... And, and also voting Republican. voting Republican. I mean, if you don't do that, how could Jesus love you? It's Christian nation, buddy. I mean, yeah. Um, and here's why this is especially weird coming from Moeller. I mean, first of all, this conference took place in Georgia. Think about what's going on in that Senate race right there. You have Raphael Warnock, the Democratic senator, who yeah. is, I repeat, a reverend mm-hmm. uh, who runs the church that Martin Luther King Jr. used to preach at. I mean. I mean. <laughs> You can't get a better resume for right. a preacher than that someone like any just strikes His credentials me as a very are immaculate and a decent guy mm-hmm. versus Herschel Walker, the Republican football player who has lied his entire career about the number of kids he has, giving money to charity. He can't even string together a sentence. He doesn't do live interviews because they make him look bad. I mean, that's who Albert Moeller is telling people to vote for over to be a good Christian. Don't vote for the reverend. Not not that guy. That would make you a horrible Christian. Mm-hmm. I would like to um, call attention a little more to Herschel Walker than we have in the past. Um, I would love everybody to go over to uh, Ono Ross and Carrie, and Carrie Poppy does an outstanding. Uh, TED Talk, I guess, is the way I would put it. It's a talk that she did online and it's recorded about Herschel Walker and his various diagnoses and the veracity of those diagnoses and the competence or ethics of the people who diagnosed those things. So he claims to have dissociative identity disorder, which we've actually came up recently. And it's just a really fucking hard diagnosis. And it from what from how Carrie told the story it does sound like he was convinced that he had like the doctor specialized in DID and so he just wanted to find everybody he was it was like when you when you're a hammer everything you see is a nail mm-hmm. that's basically what it is it's it's maybe a couple of weeks ago from when we're recording tonight i i i would recommend it herschel walker is a He's strange just a and honestly dangerous figure right now. And the race is way too close I'm for comfort. So, so I can't think about it. So that's it. one thing. Here's the other thing to know about Albert Mueller. In 2016, he wrote an op-ed for the Washington Post basically saying conservative Christians should not vote for Donald Trump. Why? Because he's Mueller not conservative said, enough. Well, Mueller said we cannot, and I'm quoting here, allow a national disgrace to become the great evangelical embarrassment. Moeller said Moeller that? said that in 2016. Oh, in 2016. In 2016. Oh, everybody said that in 2016. I'm not impressed anymore. I thought he said it recently. <laughs> Fuck him. By 2020, Moeller is now uh, embracing what? the great evangelical embarrassment. He drank the Flavor-Aid. Yeah. It was Flavor-Aid, not Kool-Aid, gang. He, his... Uh, when people brought that up to him, he's mm. like, well, I voted for Trump reluctantly because, quote, the alternative is increasingly unthinkable. 
The alternative being Joe Biden, who shouldn't scare oh, anybody. Oh, I thought he meant 2016. No, now he's talking like in 2020. They're like, the fuck are you so doing? So you still voted for Trump because Joe Biden, the famous professed Catholic. Yeah, is a heretic, uh, clearly. So Mueller has gone from condemning Trump, uh-huh. rightly so, to reluctantly casting a vote for Trump. And now. To implying that a vote for any liberal politician whatsoever is being unfaithful to Christianity. Mm-hmm. Like you're watching I a Christian leader's descent into extremism mm-hmm. in real time. And by the way, as They're one. looking for power. As another Southern Baptist They'll uh, hitch their wagon to any star. I believe Dwight McKissick, maybe he left the Southern Baptist Convention, but he is a preacher. Mm. He actually pointed out, uh, and I didn't, this didn't come to my mind at first, so I'm grateful that he brought this up. Mueller is saying if you don't vote Republican, you aren't a Christian, which means he just categorized 90% of African Americans as non-Christians. This um, statement places the Southern Baptist Convention in opposition to black Christians, painful and shameful. Which is accurate. I Most mean, black Americans vote for Democrats. And what Mueller is saying is if you follow the logic, that means all of those people are not true Christians. I mean, they love that game. Mm. They love the no true Scotsman fallacy. It's just their favorite fucking thing in the world. The one thing I appreciate is that Mueller is proving a point that we've been trying to make. And by Mm. we, I mean like church-state separation advocates for years now, which is that at this point, uh, Christian nationalism is a threat. Mm -hmm. You can't have like evangelical Christianity or Southern Baptist Christianity without politics. Mm-hmm. The ide- like, what does it mean to be an evangelical Christian these days? It means voting Republican mm-hmm. a lot more than it means embracing a certain set of the- theological or helping beliefs. Your, helping thy neighbor or whatever. What I mean, serve- Kristen, uh, Kristen uh, Dumay, who wrote that Jesus and John Wayne book, has been kind of harping on this for a while in the right way. She's right about this, saying, like, what does it mean to be an evangelical it means embracing political beliefs. Like, for example, evangelical Christians, white evangelicals, overwhelmingly in favor of abortion bans, mm. but not for theological reasons. They're not making the case we should do this because Jesus tells us to. They're doing it because it's a political thing. Of course. They are more unified. Surveys this week said this. They are more unified white evangelicals under conservative political culture war issues than they are about literal biblical views. Like, what do they have in common? It's not the Bible. They don't share biblical beliefs, even wrong ones. They don't have those in common. They have political views in common. What an amazing observation. That's what it means to be a white evangelical or a Southern Baptist these days. Wild. And Moeller is proving it. Who? Wait, did you... Draw that circle around all of that? No, that's something that's she that wrote article. in Jesus okay, and John okay. Wayne. That oh, the Jesus culture, and John Wayne. That gotcha. the culture war issues. I wrote issues, that down. I'm going to have to Yeah, uh, that the culture that war issues have become the defining principle of what it of means course. to be a white evangelical. Of so course. even if you ask them, like, is Jesus the only way to achieve salvation? Mm-hmm. You would think, mm-hmm. like, people who share a faith would have one view in lockstep because that's kind of the heart of your faith, right? Mm-hmm. And the answer in their view is, yeah, Jesus is the mm-hmm. only way. Mm-hmm. That's why nothing else works. You've got to accept Jesus. Guess what? Evangelicals do, are not 100% unified on that one. They are in lockstep about abortion mm-hmm. and banning it 
a lot more than they're unified about like Jesus being the only path to salvation. I can't believe how long it took us to sort of, it took this part. What's her name? The author? Uh, Kristen Dumay. Kristen Dumay to, wow, well put Kristen Dumay. I'm writing a lot of things down that I'm going to be reading soon. (laughs) Uh, While you're typing whatever you're typing, you want to hear a funny joke? Yes. Not a joke. It's an exchange we had earlier. I made a, I tweeted when we were in the uh, Cancun airport because we ate at Flavortown, the uh, guy, <laughs> the Guy Fieri restaurant. Guess what, gang? Really fucking good. That guy knows how to make a good bullshit meal that has no nutritional value, but it's very tasty. Anyway, so I tweeted that as a goof. Hammett responded as he's wont to do. That that's the whitest thing he's ever heard. And then I was looking through the likes, and gang, the first time I've ever interacted with the Freedom From Religion Foundation's official account is them liking Hemant's tweet (laughs) about how fucking white I am. So this is sort of the space I'm occupying, and the world of atheism is the annoying white person who hangs out with Hemant. (laughs) I'm so proud. You're so white, you're going to be in a pure flex movie. I kind of tan. Casey, I'm tan. Don't no, you think you I'm tan? At all. Okay, at I'm all. not tan compared to you. Yeah, not to. Uh, Casper I'm, the Friendly Ghost is tan. You're. I don't know. Oh, literally. <laughs> okay, let's talk about football. University of Massachusetts. Uh, they play football. Well, they try to play football. Their record last year was like one in eleven. You said they Massachusetts. Yeah. Okay. Um, so those not, Irish gentlemen are this, amazing at uh, at basketball. Yeah, it's so it's, strange. It's football. Not oh, the football. best. Not the best football team. But that's okay. They still play games. Good for them. Yeah, they try activity. Um, CTE. All of it. On October eighth, they're gonna be hosting the team from Liberty University. Liberty, our friends Liberty, at Liberty. Liberty. Yeah. Liberty. But I'm gonna like, start doing that. You can't do up. that because you're making light of of a Christian homophobic uh, okay, university. Okay. Sorry, I'm tired. So, UMass is going to play Liberty, and then it turns out there's a tweet from UMass football that says, special announcement, our game versus Liberty on October 8th will be hashtag Pride Day. <gasps> yes! <laughs> oh, you so, sweet Irish boys. Listen, they have a tough time drafting really good players, but they draft the best trolls in the country. So good. <laughs> Just to give you a heads When did up, you write that line? How uh, proud were you? Uh, very proud. Three hours. You know how it works. <laughs> um, just to give you, I mean, I know people are familiar with Liberty University, Christian School, Jerry Falwell, all that stuff. Wow. Campus, the website Campus Pride ranks Liberty among the absolute worst campuses for LGBTQ youth mm-hmm. uh, because, of course, they will expel you if you're in a same-sex relationship. Oh, expel you. They will expel you. I Um, thought you said spell you, and I was confused. Like there's witchcraft. Here's the question I was trying to figure out. Okay. Are they trolling, or like was this coincidental? No, they're trolling. One day was Pride Day, and they only have a handful of home games. So, like, which one is it going to be? I literally How many asked September based pride days. Do you know about in this terrible <laughs> I have country? No idea. But I did put out a request to their assistant or athletic October, di- uh, director for marketing, creative and digital strategy. And I'm like, is it trolling? He didn't respond to me. I'm so sad. <gasps> Buddy. I, tr- I tried so hard to oh, get an that's answer to that. But also, <clears throat> speaking of coincidences, this is the kind of bullshit I live I know. for. Um, speaking of coincidences, Two weeks ago, uh-huh. Liberty University's football team okay. has a YouTube channel. Um, they show plays, replays, whatever, highlights. 
They posted a video on YouTube. Guess mm-hmm. what the title was? Pride is our enemy. And they were saying, <laughs> let me be clear, in the context wow. in the context of the video, what they're saying is we work as a team here at Liberty University. No one player has an ego. We <laughs> play is, well together. No. But man, man. What do you think? What do you think? Are they idiots or are well, they, they evil put, human they beings? This, and don't forget, both things can be true. <laughs> they posted this video before UMass made its announcement that it was Pride Day. Oh, but also, oh. even even without that in mind... You saying, manipulated how I heard that story, Hemet. Even the title, though, Pride is Our Enemy. Like, you know what that could be interpreted Shh, as. Yes, you're right. A you're right. You can't school, be that naive and don't realize that, that Pride mean something I to mean, everybody. the reactions on Twitter were great. Like, petty is my favorite color. Oh, so good. <laughs> this is next level petty, and I'm screaming. It's just... Golly, they just... I should... <laughs> a friend pointed this out to me, but Northwestern University Was it me? No, it was a friend from high school. Northwestern University's field hockey team, mm. uh, earlier this year, I believe, uh, actually earlier this month, hosted a game against Liberty University as well and and declared it their pride game. So I don't know if this is just several people having the same great idea at the same time. Or Or if if it's like a concerted effort. Yeah. But whatever it is, just I salute all of you. Guys. I hope anytime any other school plays Liberty or BYU or any religious school. Everybody take that banner up. You can have multiple pride days. Mm -hmm. You can do that against all religious schools. are you a friendly atheist listener who also happens to run the uh, athletic department (laughs) of a major university? You know, whatever you want. You you got your marching orders. (laughs) Ew, what if we gave marching orders more? Can we do that? Um, Apparently it's fine when the right wing people do it. Mm. So I assume it's okay when we do it as well. I'm not Um, comfortable with that kind of power. I'm very comfortable with that power. This is what I am talking about. It's men who are always looking for... (laughs) We did not talk about this... Because you were gone, we didn't get around to this story last week because it may be a week and a half old, but we can't not talk about it because this is a big deal. Okay. The New York Times published a giant uh, article about what's going on in Hasidic Jewish schools in New York City, and it's wild okay. and crazy. I have heard nightmare stories okay. about wi- young women in Hasidic Jewish communities. It is bad for that. It's bad for everybody, but this article in particular focused on what's happening in Hasidic schools in oh, New schools York City. specifically. Yeah, and basically what they're saying is because of their religious nature, mm. there's very little oversight into what happens there. But also, and this is stuff we've known about for a while, mm-hmm. boys are expected to become rabbis, so their classes in school are really just a heavy dose of religious Yeah, they get no actual, nobody really comes out of it with any actual education. Yeah. Is that right? Okay. Girls receive a slightly better education because they're not studying the Torah all day, but it's not great. But the only way that makes sense, even for the boys, is if they're all going to become rabbis, and only about 5% of them become rabbis, which means so then you, you have, have a whole bunch of guys no education. who have no education, no life skills, no mm. ability to learn stuff, and now they can't even leave the fold because, like, what can they do? They're adults now. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, I say this nicely. They don't know anything, and they they're kind of stuck. They were denied their right to an education. Yeah. And by the way, uh, I'm going to skip some of the details here, but... Underlying the fact like that this is a problem, because we've known about this problem for a while, mm. is that these schools receive taxpayer funding. And so if they're getting really? taxpayer funding from New York... Wait, why? 
They are getting it because the school will reimburse stuff. Uh, I'll, I'll get into that it's okay, later thanks. in here. But basically, when they're taking care of students and mm-hmm. like lunch, for example, mm-hmm. like government will reimburse lunch. I see. I see. They're getting okay. federal funding for things, mm-hmm. and yet there's no oversight. There's no requirement that you got to educate the kids. Mm-hmm. So, so they don't even need to get like their GED or whatever. Nothing. Because a lot of homeschoolers, I I think, need to get your GED. Is that right? Uh, I don't know I what the real is. Up. Why I don't would know. I say that? But basically what they found, this is Eliza Shapiro and Brian Rosenthal, the New York Times. After a year of reporting, interviews with more than 275 people associ- like who went to the schools, mm-hmm. connected to it. What they found is basically these schools, Hasidic boys' schools, have received over a billion dollars in government funding over the past four years, and the kids know nothing. Here, I'm quoting here. The students in the boys' schools are not simply falling behind. They are suffering from levels of educational deprivation not seen anywhere else in New York. Mm -hmm. Only nine schools in the state had less than 1% of students testing at grade level in 2019, the last year for which full data was available. Uh-huh. All of them were Hasidic boys' schools. Oh, no. Um, about Those 80, poor boys. skipping ahead, about 80% of the girls who took standardized tests last year failed. Statewide, the public schools that served only low income students all scored exponentially higher than the boys' yeshivas did. Those poor kids. Yeah. So, I mean. Do you, like, I know standardized testing is kind of fucked. Oh, okay. That's exactly where okay. I was going. It, if you want to argue about standardized testing, right, we can have that argument. Sure, You're sure, right. sure, sure. It is one way of measuring okay. educational attainment. But so when you see something like that for you as an educator, does, is that compelling? It's one tool. Okay. And it's like, well, that's messed up, mm-hmm. but what else do you got? But there are also, when the New York Times spoke to these students, there was they documented physical abuse. They found out kids were unable to care for their families when they grew up. No. They have... Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. hold on. I think that we need to sit in that one. Yeah. They couldn't care for their family. Like they just don't know Because they enough. don't have any life skills whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so sad. Yeah. And it what also doesn't help the matter is that a lot of these schools are run independently of each other. So it's not like one district that oh. has all these yeshivas, all these schools, that you can at least say, okay, from the top down, They're here's what we're going to do. all around, what, Brooklyn, Queens? It's, it's like Southern Baptist churches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just all over the place doing their own thing, mm-hmm. even though they're theoretically united under one umbrella. Uh-huh. Um, and basically... Uh, some, this is quoting from the article, some Hasidic boys' yeshivas do not offer any non-religious classes at all. Secular, at, at all. all. Secular so textbooks. Wait, wait. Pause yeah. for a second. Yeah. Math. English. Mm-hmm. Science. Social studies. History. They don't learn any of it. Any, what because else am I missing? Because the argument is... The argument is this stuff is not relevant to the religious education we want these kids to have. Why waste their time with math? Which I, listen, I know some of you are going to agree with that, but that's the point. Like, why do you have an education? It's to get well-rounded in a variety of things. That's a good thing for everybody. And in this case, these kids are growing up not knowing anything. It actually makes it harder for them to even have freedom of choice, to leave the faith. We've talked before. We've interviewed them in the past, like early part of this podcast when we had it. We spoke with uh, someone who helped run this group called Footsteps, which helps people leave. uh, That interview affected me, I think... As much as any other one we did. I, like, there's a few that I think about a lot, um, and, and that's one of them. And it was 
fucking hard to hear. And it's a long time ago, so we're yeah. dumber then. So to, everything we said that was bad, <laughs> ignore it. We're fine now. But think about that. If you <laughs> if you want to leave the faith, you have to have it's it's courageous, sure, but you gotta have some level of independence, independence to be able to leave your safety net of income, being at home. All of that if stuff. If your parents can't take care of you and you want to work on your own and, and you live your no own life, life skills. And if you don't have life skills and what you can't are you gonna have? and you're not very well literate and you don't know stuff, you can't do it on your own, which is kind of the point. You're mm-hmm. stuck in their faith. Of course. Um, to answer the it's earlier question about where are they getting all this taxpayer funding from, here's that part. Oh, okay, thank you. The city voucher program that helps low-income families pay for child care now sends nearly a third of its total assistance to Hasidic neighborhoods, even while tens of thousands of people have languished on waiting lists. Hmm. The program provides more than $50 million a year to Hasidic boys' schools. No. That claim five zero or one five five zero million that claim the end of their regular school day as child care. Hasidic boys schools also receive about thirty million dollars from government financial aid programs. Hmm. Um, The schools get roughly one hundred million through anti poverty programs to provide free breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snacks every school day to virtually all Hasidic boys. Hmm. So basically, bottom line is. The government is doing the right thing here. They're, they have good intentions with these programs, mm. but they have helped the Hasidic community perpetuate this educational neglect because they're getting all this money that they need to run their schools. Would you say they're being uncritical? And do you think uh, critical thinking is a really important <laughs> thing in the world that maybe we should learn in schools more? Yeah, right. It's almost um, like a vicious circle of ignorance and neglect. And before you think that this is one of those things that there is a partisan gap on Well, guess what? Democrats run New York City now, certainly, Mm. but they did before, too. And the problem is a lot of the people in charge need those. The Hasidic community has been very good at saying we are all voting as a block. Mm. So we don't want oversight in Mm -hmm. our schools. And if you say you're going to do oversight, guess what? We have 200,000 people here. And we're going to mobilize everybody against Good you. Good luck trying to get so, elected in this century. Hearing Eric Adams, the mayor of New York, try to respond to this article, it's been bad. Resp- Kath, uh, Kathy Hochul, the governor of New York, <laughs> they've just given horrible responses to this problem, so, saying some mealy mouth like, yeah, right. we're going to do something about this. But they're really not because they don't want to anger that community. So this is the moment, and we've talked about this a few times, of... Are you a politician who is trying to help humans or are you a politician who is trying to stay in power? And I get the idea of like, oh, well, I need to stay in power to do more good. I get all that. Of course I do. This is the moment that the hero says, I don't give a shit if I don't get my congressional seat or my my mayoral whatever. I need to help these kids who need me. This is taking and the Obamacare means, vote in 2010 when that might have gotten you kicked out of power, which mm-hmm. it did for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But guess what? It was the right thing they to do. They did the thing that was right. And listen, doing the right thing is often incredibly hard and carries so many consequences. And that is what bravery is. I wish it would just be like, I wish it was the governor could just say, I'm going to take that stand and make it happen. But it's not. This is one of those things that's not going to change 
unless enough people vote certain ways. Mm. So it can't just be one person doing mm-hmm. it. You need a whole bunch of people okay, to do it. Now, there, is, there are some options here, like the state's board of regents that oversees schools. Of regents? They can, cool. Yeah, they can vote on rules that say private schools have to maintain certain secular academic standards mm. or lose public funding. Like, there are ways to make this stuff sure. happen in a way that's not alien or sing, singling out like this religious group I of kids. I see what you mean. Um, I mean, that okay. would be one start. Sure. There are ways to do but this it's without simply not happening. Saying, uh, it's, from what you can see, is not, anybody doing anything? We'll see. It's it's when not going to happen art- overnight. You said this article was a week and a it's half It's been old? about a week and a half. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Has I there been say chatter ten- between then and now? Some, we'll see. I, I haven't followed it since the past couple It doesn't seem like days. it's getting momentum. Then, I should eh? say Ted Cruz... Uh, lashed out against. I looked Guess for who? that dork Guess? all over Cancun so I could bully him, <laughs> and I didn't see that motherfucker once. Which I means you just weren't looking devastated. hard enough. Um, he has already responded, calling the New York Times article a kind of. I'm not quoting here. This is me talking. Uh-huh. He basically referred to it as an anti-religious hit piece. So of course he's on the side oh, so of now making. He's pro Jew. <laughs> Yeah, he wants to keep kids very dumb. Yeah. It's good for his brain. So he probably wouldn't be over the moon if a Jewish person ran for, I don't know, say president. But if these precious Jewish boys deserve to never learn how what two plus two is, Ted Cruz is there yeah, supporting he's, them. He's on their side. I fucking hate Ted Cruz with so <laughs> much of my heart. It cannot Dude, be helpful. Get healthy. in line. Get in line. <laughs> uh, last story, and then I'm done uh, because I didn't want to ignore this one. Kanye West oh. has started his own private Christian school. Oh, that, no. That is the right has reaction. Has he gotten his bipolar disorder treated? I don't know. But this one has nothing to do with whatever, because there's more people than him doing this. And okay. they're all to blame. Let's talk about this. It's called Donda Academy, named after his mother, who was an actual educator. Uh, well, um, it re- okay, listen. If the story ends here, that's a very nice name and a very nice tribute to his mother. And it doesn't. <laughs> it, the school requires parents to sign a non-disclosure agreement. That's not great. Excuse <laughs> me? Uh-huh. What did you just say to me? And the school's like, a it's informal. Non-disclosure agreement yeah. for a man, a, for a, a group who is going to oversee my children? Yep. No, thank you, please. Mm. The school is not yet accredited, so your diploma is toilet paper. Okay. Uh, they Wait, are still, a high school? It's a, I think it's like K-12 as far K-12. as I can K-12, yeah. Holy shit. Okay. Um, it's wait, still wait, wait, you can have a school, an elementary school that isn't accredited? I thought that was only a um, college, college sort of thing. thing. Uh, no, you can have public schools. They need accreditation, too. I mean, that makes sense. I just never thought about yeah. it because most people, like, want to educate people. Yeah, <laughs> unless you're the last couple stories. Mm. Uh, they're still looking to hire educators. Uh, they don't oh. have teachers, enough of them. Well, no one wants to work these days. That's what I've heard. Um, here's an interesting one. This is from Rolling Stone. The ostensible head of the school listed on its website is principal and executive director Brianne Campbell, who also leads the school's choir program. But Rolling Stone has learned that Campbell has never held a formal position as an educator. Oh, but they have a teaching certificate, yeah? Ah. Oh, oh. <laughs> right? They, I don't know. They know I mean, something about thing. something. LeBron James started oh, okay. a school of his own <laughs> in Akron, Ohio. This is a hard Ohio. right turn I wasn't ready for. He started his own school uh-huh. in Ohio, but he's like, I'm not 
running my own private school. Because I'm a basketball player. He said, let's put my name on it, slap my name on it. Here's the money you need to make this Mm -hmm. happen. Let's do it the right way. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to run it through the Akron Public Schools and do it that way. And as far as I can tell, a couple years into that program, Uh it's been doing really well. LeBron James seems like a good dude. Am I misreading that? Name one LeBron James scandal. You can't. People didn't like Trainwreck that yeah, much, but I exactly. thought he was really charming and I liked that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it goes on. Two sources close Kanye school again. You know Two what it sources is, is he did the thing I'm taking my talents to Miami and everyone's like, oh, fuck him. <laughs> LeBron James, <laughs> take your talents where you're getting paid, my right. dude. Good um, for you. Kanye's charming as two fuck. sources close to current Donda students claim those associated with the school were asked to sign confidentiality agreements. A third source said they were not permitted to discuss the school. Just saying, public schools don't make families sign NDAs. Mm, and that's when, a while. <laughs> I, I listen. Can we sit with that for another couple yeah, when, minutes? If you and, ever and, mix NDAs with Christianity, that never ends. NDAs well. are used. Were originally supposed to be used for. Hey, you work for Dyson Vacuums. You know proprietary knowledge (laughs) about the way our shit works. You cannot leave this place and go to Hoover (laughs) and say, good news, I know how to do the bad bad list. Yeah. This isn't That's what Coca-Cola those are supposed formula. to be for. This isn't a now trade Now they are for like, hey, your boss is defo going to harass <laughs> you in some way and you need to be chill with this for here's, us. Because we need to make sure he keeps staying in power for reasons that are unclear for the rest of us, even though he's an obvious monster. That was not a specific thing. That was just generalized. Another thing that's weird. It's yep. a private Christian school. It makes a, a show of how this is a Christian school. But is if that you go how they to- got out of... Uh, kind of being... Oversight? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, But here's the weird thing. If you go to any Christian school of any kind, one Mm -hmm. of the things on their websites is, here's our statement of faith. Here's what we believe. Mm -hmm. There's none of that on this site. So like, what type of Christian are you? What does that mean that you are a Christian school? Christian is... It's a catch-all term. It's a real (laughs) catch-all term. The website says there's full school worship. Each day, which full school worship, so which like is a, not a weird, mass or whatever, which is not weird yeah. for a Christian school. But what does that mean? What are you teaching them to whom? in worship? Who are you worshiping? <laughs> um, I don't know. Kanye West has I mean, previously I assume they're just said, doing like generic Jesus based stuff, but even that, but, but even that, even that, a Lutheran versus a Catholic yeah. versus who, like, that's Kanye not West the same. once appeared at Joel Osteen's church and Kanye said West on stage, needs help. They're attempting to take prayer out of schools, Kanye said back in the day. And it's like, oh, oh, you believe that kind of Christianity, like the crazy kind that believes lies. Uh, I mean, other types of lies. Other types of lies. Um, but oh like, I don't know what type of Christianity he's teaching at this school. I want to be very clear. I think Kanye West is very talented and a very ill man. Oh my God, the garage door is open. Daddy is about to fuck <laughs> right. this place Last up. Last thing I'll say about this story. Rolling Stone reached out to the school's former executive director and she... Oh my God, we have to record my reunion with Dottie on mic. Oh, hell no. People are going to love so, that. They spoke to the former director of this school who has now left the job, so they had to hire so someone is else. It, is wait, wait, wait. established? So, it's going. There's people going there. Oh, it's happening. There. Yeah. Okay. It's already in session. But they spoke to the former person who ran this school. You know what she said? Tell me. Why, like, why'd you leave the job? We had philosophical differences about the level of stability that is required to educate students in an effective way. As an educator with over 22 years of experience in the field, 
I always put children at the forefront of any decision I make. Consequently, I moved on. Holy shit. So, a brutal... So... Listen. Dressing down of that school. Place your bets now as to what scandal is going to bring this place down. This is sad. All right. It's so sad. I'll stop there. Where do we find you? Okay. You can always find me um, on Twitter at Jess Blumke. um, B-L-U-E-M-K-E. You can find Hemant. Uh, I'm at Hemant Meta on Twitter. Go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast to support this show mm-hmm. and get the bonus episode. And make sure Hemant can keep picking me up from the airport and making me record immediately thereafter. It's how we roll because I got shit to do. Are tomorrow. you ready for my long list of things you get to pick from? Uh, you, you, you know, I don't know I'm how gonna you're going to do this in 15 minutes. It has I'm to not, do with so your this, trip. This is what I'm, yeah, yeah I'm just going to do like, an, I'm going to, I have maybe 20 bullet points. Oh, God. And I'm just going to, on the bonus episode I'll read through them and you get to pick the most compelling things that you want to hear about okay alright we'll see you on the bonus hey email us at friendlyandthesepodcast.com alright bye bye